Welcome back to another edition of On the Record, the Daily Iowans Weekly News Podcast, where we break down the paper's top headlines from the week. I'm your host and managing editor, Eleanor Hildebrandt, and I'm here with our producer, Carly Dahlberg. On this week's episode, the first episode of the 2022-23 academic year, we will chat with four special guests. We will catch up with Daily Iowan News reporter Isabel Foland, managing editor Sabina Martin, and assistant arts editor Ari Lassard. Then we will check in with pregame editor Austin Hansen to discuss what you can expect from the Hawkeyes this football season. Whether you're in the car, at home, or in the classroom, we'd like to welcome you to this Friday, September 2nd edition of On the Record. In case you missed anything from last week, the Daily Iowans top headlines can be found on our website. This week, the DI reported on... Faculty and staff saw significantly higher participation in the free speech training created by the State Board of Regents this past spring, hitting 57% while only 35% of students took the short course. Three Iowa City artists revamped their interactive audio art experience earlier this year that is placed around Iowa City and showcases different parking structures. And the UI announced four candidates for its Vice President of Medical Affairs and Carver College of Medicine Dean position in the past two weeks. The four candidates have all come to campus for visits and held informational sessions. You can read all these stories and more in the Daily Iowans print editions on Mondays and Wednesdays or online anytime at dailyiowan.com. News reporter Isabel Foland is here for her first podcast appearance to tell us about her story on how worker shortages are affecting the University of Iowa's public transportation service, Canvas. Welcome, Isabel. We're so excited to have you on today. How's everything going? Hi, um, it's going well. I've been really enjoying my freshman year so far. Yeah, brand new to campus. Always very exciting. Always a good time to get started at the Daily Iowan. And so could you start by telling us just a little bit about Canvas's current workforce situation? Do they have the necessary number of drivers needed for shifts or what is that looking like for them? So according to Mia Brunelli, who I contacted for my story, and she's also the Canvas's operations manager, Canvas is pretty short staffed. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are currently 60 drivers short of their necessary 162. So definitely dealing with short staff. Yeah, some routes will look a little bit different for for some students who are trying to get places. And so how are students being incentivized to join the ranks of Canvas, which is a completely student-run organization? So Brunelli informed me that after working with the UI's HR department, they were able to raise wages from $16.50 this May to $17.50 by the start of the school year. Canvas also raised their hiring bonus from $400 to $1,000. And she said that these incentives have seen a fair amount of success as they've actually had more applicants in the past two months than is usual for this time of year. Wow, so something at least is working. That's always good. And do the people at Canvas know what contributed to the original loss in drivers and additional workers to help manage Canvas? So while writing my story, I also interviewed Brian McClatchy, who is Canvas's manager, and he told me that COVID-19 was definitely a big contributor to the staffing shortage as it is in other places. Essentially, they missed out on several hiring seasons while still experiencing turnovers due to employees graduating and leaving the area. Yeah, well, we'll have to keep up with this, see if Canvas officially gets all of their workers and has enough people to drive all the different routes. But thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Isabel, and sharing your story with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Next, we have managing editor Sabina Martin, who wrote a story about the newest historical site in Johnson County this week. Welcome, Sabina. We're excited to have you back on the podcast. How has your first few weeks of school been? It's been busy, but thank you for having me back. Always exciting. And so could you give us a little bit of background on this historical site and where it is and how the county kind of came to attain this land? 
Yeah, so this new historical site came from research by Iowa City woman and historian Mary Beth Sloniger, and she created Remembrance Park and really worked for about 30 years to find a place for it and um, bring attention. She wrote a book about it and was constantly spreading the word about it in this story. So the story started with, in January 1838, uh, a member of Misquaki Nation named Jenny and Mogok, who is a black man, um, helped set up the county's government according to really old files, historical files in Johnson County. So Sloniger really wanted to have a a place where these people could be celebrated um, because it's a great story of diversity and it's a really interesting story. I think not a lot of counties are founded this way through the fur trading system. So that's really how it was brought up and now they're going to be um, commemorating it officially on Monday. Yeah, it's very exciting paying some tribute to the the historical backing for Johnson County in in Iowa. Yeah, and so how did Johnson County end up getting this land? Did someone donate it? What was that process looking like for them? Yeah, so the the park sits on Sand Road and Napoleon Street, which is near um, Terry Trueblood Park in Johnson County. So um, it's kind of far out, but it's also where a lot of agriculture was and where a lot of the founding places were where a lot of Meskwaki Nation members lived in the early days of Johnson County. And so the land they found kind of where the initial area was where these people were in, in the 1800s. And they reached out to farmers around and a farmer actually heard the story and wanted to donate the land. So he said he's going to keep it in shape and watch over the park while it, you know, ages and keep up with upkeep and he actually wanted to be anonymous so that's one part of the unfinished story we don't know who this farmer is but he wanted to donate this land for the story you never know maybe one day he'll he'll release his anonymity and we'll find out who he is and and be able to kind of track this and add it to the history of this park and so what can johnson county residents expect with this new space and and how it will factor into potentially their lives Yeah, so it's actually a pretty small um, space and it's mostly wildflowers of like native seeds from the county. So I think that'll be really interesting if like someone wants to go see wildflowers, they can remember kind of what that looked like in the 1800s. That's what the area looked like. And um, there's also going to be like markers for people to read the story and also stones commemorating both Jenny and Mogok. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing your story with us, Sabina. Hopefully we can have you back sometime soon. Thank you so much. See you soon. Now we have assistant arts editor Ari Lassard here who wrote an 80 hours front about the international writing program this week. Welcome, Ari. We're excited to have you on the podcast as a guest again today. How has your week been going? My week's been going well. How's yours? It's good so far. Pretty busy, but getting ready for, for more school and the first Hawkeye football game, which is very exciting. So can you start by telling us just a little bit about the International Writing Program, who participates, and how do they get all the way here to the University of Iowa from their various international locations? Yeah, so the IWP International Writing Program is, in my opinion, one of Iowa's best hidden gems in terms of a program that uh, undergraduates don't know we have, because I didn't know about it. I didn't know this was a thing, but it's really a amazing program, and it has such a wide array of talent, because what happens, essentially, is that embassies, other countries' embassies, nominate members of their, like, their best, their country's best writers for, like, 15 slots it was this year uh, to come and stay at UI and study for 10 weeks. UI got about, I believe, over, they got 118 nominations this year, and they, you know, only 15 spots, but then they allowed the uh, 
embassies to fund their own candidates if they wanted to. And so for the first time since 2019, we have a full panel of 33 writers here, and they will be doing a lot of really exciting events around Iowa City in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy to think about. 118 people apply for 15 slots, and then you end up with, you know, an additional 18 writers. They don't even apply. They get nominated. And then they have to write 15 pages or translate 15 pages of their literature and then write a cover letter for why they want to come here. Wow, that's that's a lot of work for very, very few slots. And it's also the 55th anniversary of this program, which is a big anniversary to have. So how is the university and members of this program, the 33 who are here, celebrating? Yeah, so basically the two women over at the library have been working their uh, behinds off to not only get a collection of every writer to ever pass through this program, a copy of uh, an English translation of their their stories, of every single one of them. And it's a giant endeavor because some of these countries, some of the print presses or the publications that made these books are no longer, you know, in publication. So it was that alone was something they did to honor it. And then they also have a three-part... you know, exhibit that is a collection of photos of the writer, demonstrations of their work. They have a journal of uh, from one of the really famous writers when he was staying at UI, so they have a journal in there. They also have some of, um, I believe they have a few on display, and they're also commemora- commemorating the history of the uh, program. Yeah, so there's a lot of archival work going into that kind of exhibition that's presented. That's really cool. And so how can the Hawkeye community participate in this celebration? Where can they see this archival work that's been happening since 2019? How can they participate? Oh, it's right uh, at the main library. Actually, it's the uh, exhibit when you first walk in and you can you can walk around, you can see it. You can also probably go and see some of the books that the library has been collecting to uh, commemorate these authors. Yeah, and that little archival space by the Shambaugh Auditorium, if people don't know which entrance is which. But yeah, that's very that's very exciting to have an anniversary and a big celebration of the International Writers Program. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Ari, and sharing this great event that's kind of happening here on campus with us. We hope to have you back sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Finally, we have Austin Hansen, our pregame editor, who is here today to talk about the Hawkeye football season, which begins with a Saturday 11 a.m. kickoff at Kinnick Stadium against South Dakota State. Welcome, Austin. We're excited to have you back for the first time in a while on On the Record. So how has your week been going? It's been going pretty good. Uh, It's a pleasure to be back. I think it's my first time here since 2019. The last time On the Record had me on was when the NBA canceled its season because of the pandemic in 2020 or late 2019 or whatever that was. It all blurs together now. It all does, especially considering it doesn't feel like it's 2022, you know, two years after COVID started, or at least it doesn't for me, I should say. But we're back with a great football season ahead of us and and lots of in-person fun activities with the Hawkeyes. So what can fans expect from the Hawkeyes in 2022? Last year, they made the Big Ten Championship game. Where should people's expectations kind of be as we begin this new season? Um, that's a great question. I think Big Ten Championship game is a little bit too high of an expectation. Uh, Iowa lost a lot. Two of their top receivers transferred to the same school, Purdue. And of course, now that team presents a significant roadblock for Iowa to win the Big Ten West and make the championship game. Right now, I've seen Iowa projected from everything to like the worst bowl you can get, which is the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit to the Orange Bowl in Miami, which I mean, hey, per 
personally, I'm rooting for that one because uh, that's 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 an all expense paid trip to Florida for me versus Detroit. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think it remains to be seen. But I think for me, Iowa's record will probably hover somewhere between seven and five and um, eight and four, and we'll just have to see sort of where they lie. Um, there's a lot of games where there could go one way or the other, Iowa or not. So we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep an, an eye on as we go through the the fall autumn season. And so what is the biggest thing that Hawkeye fans should watch for this Saturday at Kinnick Stadium as the Hawks take the field for the first time this year? Uh, I think, as always, the biggest thing to watch for is the quarterback play. Fans like to hyper-scrutinize quarterbacks, I think, and it's it's maybe a little bit unfair. But yeah, it'll be Spencer Petras out there on Saturday. Uh, last year, they sort of rotated between Spencer Petras and Alex Padilla. One guy or the other, who do you start? This year, Kirk Ferentz, Iowa's head coach, was very blunt. Uh, he was like, Spencer Petras, set in stone. He's our guy. He gives us the best chance to win. Um, and that's sort of a bluntness that we haven't heard him talk with before about the quarterback situation. So I don't know if something has changed or if just from an optics standpoint, he's tired of uh, silly reporters like me asking uh, who's going to start a quarterback every week. And he's just like, now you kids listen up. I'm done <laughs> listening to your quarterback questions. So it's Spencer Petras and that's how we're going. But we'll see. Will, will that stick? Who knows? It'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. I know Spencer Petras just graduated college, and now he's back for his master's master's degree to get that final year of eligibility. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, Who knows? Might be good, might be bad. Might be seeing another quarterback halfway through the game. You never know. And so can... We get your kind of official pick of this week, and I know in pregame we have a lot of kind of unofficial betting from different reporters and different people, but as the pregame editor, do you think it's going to be Hawks by a million, or do you think it's going to be a South Dakota State win? Yeah, for me, um, I think Iowa's going to win, but I'll leave this little seed uh, for people to sort of ruminate on. Um, And I think the biggest thing is going to be South Dakota State's an FCS team. Everyone's expecting Iowa to blow them out. Iowa's a 15.5-point favorite. Usually, when an FBS school like Iowa plays a team like South Dakota State, they're favored by three touchdowns, four touchdowns, five touchdowns. So this is going to be closer than the experts think this week. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa gets beat this weekend. I'm going to pick Iowa as the safe bet, but if South Dakota State wins, I won't, you know, um, win... The, uh, what's the kid's name in Home Alone? Puts the aftershave on his face and he's like shocked. I won't have that face uh, if Iowa loses on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a bit more of a coin toss than most Hawkeye fans would like it to be, especially as the season opener after they won the bowl game, right? They did not win the bowl game. They lost the Citrus Bowl 17 to 20. <laughs> Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll have a better season than than the end of our last season with the loss at the Big Ten Championship, which was, I mean, I was in the stands for that game. So it was a little bit, it was a little bit hard. It was my first game since 2019. So we will see what happens on Saturday and everyone can pick up their first edition of pregame with our kid captain story, regular picks from a lot of our sports section, and then some profiles on some pretty cool players. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Austin, and sharing a little bit of what we can expect from the Hawkeyes. We appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Appreciate the time. And yeah, we'll have fun this Saturday. (laughs) We will see. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Follow The Daily Iowan on social media and check our website for breaking news updates and the latest campus and Iowa City-related news. We'll see you next week with another edition of On the Record.